Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning again, everyone. If you're just now joining us or walked in the room, I want to take a minute and just introduce myself again. My name is Rhett. I have the honor, and it really is the honor of my life to get to be the lead pastor of what I believe is one of the greatest churches on the planet right here in the valley called One Life Church. I'm a little biased, uh, but hey, listen, by the way, I just need you to know if you're our guest, when I make that statement, like I've got five or six other pastors that I text every Sunday, and I'm like, dude, I love you. I'm praying for you, like who are here in the valley. So we all support each other. We all love each other, uh, but I just got to brag on our church for a minute. In fact, I want to brag on our dream team just for a second. Uh, we don't call our volunteers volunteers. That's like a bad word around here. We call them the dream team. We feel like they're living their best life doing what God's gifted them in doing and created moments. And what they've done here is they've gotten here really early this morning in the bitter cold to create an atmosphere for you to be able to experience the love and joy of Jesus. And so because of that, can we just take a moment and throw our hands together for all the dream team? Just come on, let them know how much you love them this morning. Come on. Some of y'all sitting all cozy in your cozy chair till about 10 a.m. this morning sipping your coffee while we got other people out here just serving their hearts out for Jesus, making room for you. And uh, I am so thankful. Dream Team, hear my heart. You are my hero. I mean that with all my heart. I love you. We, this church would not exist without you. Uh, and I'm just so thankful for you. And so as we kick into this new year, I want to create, uh, we're starting with a new series we're calling Habits. Uh, but before we jump into this series, can we do something we do every Sunday? And I haven't been able to do this for a while, so I kind of miss it. Uh, I want to welcome our online church family, those who are on the other side of the camera, wherever you are. We love you. All of those in the room, throw your hands together. Welcome our online church family. Man, we love you. And I want you to know that you are our family. Like, we know wherever you are, there are just some things that are keeping you from being able to be here today. Uh, we got some people watching from Colorado today, man. How cool is that? We love you. And uh, I'm just so thankful for you that you would take time to join with us, even through technology. It amazes me. Uh, many of you send us prayer requests, and I just want you to know we pray for you. We pray the promises of God over your life. And when, when God answers those prayers, can I encourage you? Would you, like, email us and let us know? You can email it to info at olcchurch.church, and we would love to to just celebrate with you uh, as well. So, all right, you guys, every year in our church, we do this, all right? It's not been a year. We have not done this. This is a staple of our church. It's one of the things that fires me up every year because I can't do this without this one thing. You ready for it? You excited? Drum roll, please. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on. I didn't think I'd get a good shout. Hallelujah. Praise God. Like fasting. You know what that means? It doesn't mean going by McDonald's and getting some fast food. It means fasting food, like doing without, okay? And so many people ask us, why do we do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year? The simplest answer I can give you is because we're desperate for God. Uh, there is a principle found all throughout Scripture from cover to cover. In fact, a little bit of this series is about what we do first in our life. And God says what you do first is important. In fact, when you put God first in your life and you center him at the center of your life on the very beginning of your year, there's a principle in Scripture that says that it has the power to bless the rest of your year. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't make it through 2021, 2020 without God's presence. And I'm not about to jump into 2022 without God's presence in my life. And so prayer, what does prayer do? It simply connects us to God. 
It's conversations with God that connect us to God. What does fasting do? It disconnects us from the world. In other words, it puts us on a place spiritually that we're able to kind of be more sensitive and aware of the voice of God in our lives. It's like turning the volume level of the world down so you can turn the volume level of God's voice up. And it's amazing. You're going to hear more about this. It actually kicks off next Sunday, January 9th. It goes for 21 days to the 29th. Now, I mentioned this because we're doing something a little bit different this year in that we on every Wednesday from 7 to 8, we're going to be meeting at the church office. Now, I hesitate to say this is a service, okay? Because if I have all 250 people show up to our church office for a service, it will not fill that room. Now, if all 250 show up, we'll have a good time and we'll come back here at the Civic Center and make it happen here. But for now, this is just a, it's just a small group is really what it is. So if you have a heart for prayer and you want to be a part of that, what's going to happen on Wednesdays from 7 to 8 is kind of there's going to be a little bit of teaching from God's Word on prayer, maybe five to ten minutes, and then we're going to go into a time of corporate prayer where everybody prays on their own. There'll be a time of communion that's going to be available for you during that time, and maybe even a small time of worship together. It's going to be one hour every Wednesday. starts not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, and then every Saturday, the same thing, same flow from 9 to 10 at the church office. So if you want more information, go to olc.church, click on the button, and it looks just like that, and you will get all the information and download. All right, you guys, it's been a couple of weeks, but uh, we have not forgotten one thing, and that is that we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we love to take notes here at One Life Church. Come on, where are you note-takers? I got two of you over here. I worked so hard to create notes for the two people over here and the one person online. I love you. I will continue to do it for you. But here's the thing. If you were like me, I hated taking notes. I was like, man, I, like, if you can't bring it to me in like 30, 35 minutes, and I don't need to write it down. That was my attitude of it. And so let me just honestly kind of reset why we do notes, okay? Because I don't want to just inspire you on a Sunday and encourage you on a Sunday. All of that is important. But here's the thing. You're going to forget what I say today. But you know what the notes do? They actually put it in your hand so you can go back and have God's word in your hand and be reminded of what God is speaking to you through his word Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Come on. Now can I get an amen, somebody? Okay. (laughs) So this is why we do notes. So I want to encourage you, if you're a note taker, text. Pull out your smartphone, your dumb phone, right? Text OLC notes to 94,000. Somebody before or after the last service asked me, how do I do this? I don't ever want to assume that people know how to text, okay? So on your phone, most phones have a texting service. If you click the button where you kind of do your messages, in the top, just write 94,000, 94,000. And then in the message part where you might like say, hey, how are you doing? Just type OLC notes, send it, it is send it to your phone, and then you can follow along, fill in the blank, and it is a lot of fun, okay? So all right. Enough about that. We're a new series. It's all about habits. All about habits. Some of us, when we think about this, we're thinking, man, I'm really excited to hear a message about this. But then some of us are like, oh, great. Here we go. Another year about habits. But here's the truth of what I'm going to bring to you today and throughout this series. And I honestly believe this. This is not some pastor pun, okay? I really honestly believe that 2022 can begin to be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually, if you will apply the principles I'm going to talk about today and throughout the next four weeks. I'm telling you. So habits, small disciplines that equal big results. So why do habits matter? Why are they important? You ready for it? Because people who live their best life, everybody say best life. People who live their best life, they do consistently, notice the word, consistently 
what only other people do occasionally. Now, this is true in any area of our life, isn't it? Spiritually, financially, physically. Think about it. For those who seem to be spiritually close to God, right, what do they do? They consistently live in the discipline or the habits that help them grow in their relationship with God. This is just what they do. So if they're thriving spiritually, then what are they doing? They've created habits that help them grow closer to God. Same thing as financially. If you've ever met somebody that's debt-free, has money in the bank, and is able to live a generous life, and you're like, I want to do that. Guess what that person's doing? They are living consistently some small habits that have created, over time, wealth. In other words, they've decided that they're going to stop spending more money than they make. And they're going to put some of that in the bank account. And then guess what? $100 ends up $200, ends up five, $1,000, $15,000, $15,000. And over time, that nest egg that started small, little small discipline, compounded over time. And now they're financially what? They're debt-free. They're living their best life financially. Why? Because they have lived consistently disciplines, habits that other people will only occasionally do. So how about health? Health, right? All of us, we go into the new year making our health goals, right? Those who are healthy, guess what? They weren't just born that way. Like those muscles didn't just go boom, look at that, right? You know, I wish, I, I wish it did. I wish it worked that way. That'd be amazing. No, people who are physically healthy, physically fit, what do they do? They do consistently what other people only do occasionally, and they reap the result and the benefit over time. So habits, they matter. They matter. So I like to say this. In fact, I love this quote. Sean Covey, who's an author, he says this. Our habits will either make us or break us. Why is that? That's the question. Well, he answers it. He says, because we become what we repeatedly do. And the way I like to say it is this. Guys, we form habits. And then check this out. Our habits then form us. So I don't believe there's a better time to talk about habits than at the beginning of the new year. Why? Because everybody's making their what? Their new year resolutions. And listen, I love resolutions. I celebrate it. I applaud it. I'm behind you. I'm going way to go. It's awesome. Why? Because it tells me that you want to change, that people want to change. We kind of want to refresh. We want to reset. You know, we want this kind of just this do over, if you will. And that's great news. But here's the bad news. Statistics show that those who make New Year's resolutions, 92% of those resolutions will fail by February, everybody. Now, we know this. Why? Because we've all experienced it, haven't we? I mean, I made the goal last year to lose 20 pounds, and last time I checked, I gained another 10 pounds. I'm sorry. That is not a praise report, okay? All right? But that is the reality. Like we all go into the goals of wanting to lose weight and hit the gym. But then when we get to the gym, we find the hardest piece of equipment to do. And that is walk through the front door. Anybody else have that problem? Like the door is the hardest piece of machinery at the gym. Like, right? So we all make these goals. We want to we wanna save money. We want to be debt-free. So we decide, hey, you know what? I'll just kick back on the $5 Starbucks every morning and afternoon and let that add up. And then a month goes by. We have an extra $100, $125 in the bank account. But then we're thinking, you know what? Golly, it took 31 days just to get that. Forget that, man. I'm just, I want my coffee. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the truth, right? We experience these resolutions. We experience the failure. We start with great intentions, but somehow, some way, every year never fails. They always end in some kind of self-dissension. We're arguing with ourselves. We're feeling like a failure. We're just so mad that we couldn't do it. And why is that? Because resolutions, willpower, this mindset that I can just do this on my own, like it doesn't last. It doesn't last. And so there's a guy in the Bible that I think, 
I can relate to. I don't know if you can. His name is Paul. Uh, Paul was a church planner, and actually he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament that you and I read, and that's changed our life. Paul says this in Romans 7, 15 through 25. Guys, he says, I don't really understand myself. Like, you know, it comes to the beginning of the year, I want to do what's right. Like, I want to stop eating junk food. I want to stop procrastinating. Man, I want to get up early. I want to go to the gym. I want to stop overspending. But for some reason, I don't do it. Can anybody relate to this? This is real right here. He said, but instead, like, I do what I hate. Like, I want to do what is right, he says. But check this out. I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I seem to do it anyway. And then he connects his failure to his identity, which is what a lot of us do. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. What a failure I am. Man, I'm not disciplined. I'm no closer to Christ than I was the year before. I mean, I'm not, didn't lose this weight or whatever it might be. And then look at what he says. He asks this question. He says, who will free me from this life? And then he pinpoints the problem. Here's the problem. Who will free me from this life, my life that is dominated by sin and death? And I'm glad the verse didn't stop there because then he points us to the source. He gets to this place where he realizes he can't do it on his own. And he's trying to encourage us in the fact that he gets where we are every year. Okay. And then he says, here's the only one that can change me. Here's the only one that can change you. And that is the truth. And this is my hope for you today. And that is, look at this. Thank God that the answer, man, the answer isn't me. The answer isn't my resolution. The answer isn't my willpower. The answer isn't what I can or what I can't do. No, the answer is in who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. My friends, Jesus is the only one who can change you, save you, redeem you, rescue you. Jesus Christ is the source of all help, of all help, of all hope, of all joy. Jesus is the answer. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday, last night, last year. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, or who you think you are. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. My friends, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. This is good news. All things have gone. 2021, that's in the past, brother. It's all passed away. Behold, all things become new for those who put their hope and their faith in who? Not themselves, but in Jesus Christ. This is good preaching. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I really believe with all my heart today, God has a word for you. And I really think it starts with this Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Look at what God wants and wants to remind us all. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Don't dwell on 2021. Don't dwell on the pain, the circumstances, the natural, the things that went good, bad, ugly, whatever it might be. But then the desire here from God is that he's hoping that the eyes of your heart are open to see something. What he wants you to see today in the word from God is, I want you to see that I'm doing a new thing. In fact, now, everybody say now. Now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, no, but now it springs up. And then he asks the question, guys, like, are you not hearing my voice? Do you not perceive this? What's he saying? He's saying, guys, I want you to see beyond your situation. I want you to see beyond your circumstances. I want you to be able to see beyond the natural of what you're experiencing. And then he says this. This is so beautiful. He says, guys, I am making a way. This is a word from God for you. As much as it is for me, I am making a way in the wilderness, in streams, in the wasteland. What is he saying? 
He's saying, hey guys, where it seems impossible in your marriage, where it seems impossible in your finances, where it seems impossible in your relationships, and that things will never change, God says, no, 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 I'm making a way. I'm making a way. Where things are dry and desolate in your world, God says, I know what it looks like, but I'm going to bring refreshing into your spirit and into your soul. I know you may feel like you're in a wasteland, isolated and alone, but my friends, with me, I'm making a way. I will provide. I will provide. So many of you, if you're honest, you'd probably say, you know what, I've, I've lost some hope. I've lost some hope in this. And my hope today is that you walk out of this room a little bit closer to the hope that is Jesus today. And if you've lost hope, I just need to remind you today, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, God says, I know. Hold up before we get to the rest of the verse. I know. God says, I know. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. God said, no, no, I, I know. I know what you're going through. I get the pain. I get the struggle. I get the trouble. I, I get it. Like, I know. But despite all that, I know the plans that I have for you, God says, declares the Lord. And my plans, they're to prosper you. They're not to harm you. Somebody needs to hear this. God is not in the business of harming you or hurting you or trying to make you mad. My friends, no, no. He wants to prosper you, not to harm you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. Now, by the way, did you know that when this truth was written from God, it was inspired by God. God, a man held the pen, but it was inspired by God. And when God spoke this, the people of God were in exile. What does that mean? The people of God were enslaved. They were enslaved. They were trapped. They felt isolated. They felt abandoned. They felt forgotten. They were having to serve some other country. They were having to serve their ways. They were slaves. And there was no hope of freedom in their sight in this moment. And I'm just here to tell you that some of you today, you may feel trapped. Some of you today in this room or maybe online, you feel abandoned. You feel isolated. You feel like you've been forgotten. You feel like there's no hope. You feel like your situation seems impossible. You feel like you're at the point of wanting to give up because you feel enslaved and trapped, maybe from a bad habit that you picked up from your youth, maybe something that you did last night or this past week or in 2021. You feel enslaved to this habit and this addiction, and it's tearing away at your soul. And God wants you to know today that in the middle of your trouble, God says, I've got plans. I've got a future. I'm going to see you through it, and I'm going to set you free. This is a word of God from you today. But here's the truth. Many of us sit back on our laurels thinking that we're just going to allow God to do everything for us. And that is not the truth in Scripture. God expects every one of us, man, woman, young and old, to step up and step out and to take some steps, everybody. It's not all on God. The responsibility, we have a part, of the play. We have a part to play in the process, my friends. We have choices we need to make. And so my hope today is that you not only experience the goodness of our God, his love, his grace, his truth, and you experience the fullness that is in him. But my hope is that you would take today and learn some disciplines that you can live out and apply in your life so that you can move from where you are to where God wants you to be. Because God is not going to force it on you. He will speak. And then your job is to listen and to obey and take a step, everybody. And so my hope today is that every one of you in this room, including myself, are going, you know what? That's what I want, man. I want 2022 to be the best year of my life. I want it to be the best year of my life spiritually and my family and my finances in every area of my life. So Pastor Rhett, where do I start? Now, time out. Before I tell you where we start, I need to be honest with you. This is not the message I wanted to preach to you today. <laughs> the message I wanted to preach to you today was a lot more fun, a lot more fluffy, a lot more kitschy, okay? Just like every pastor dreams of, right? You know, let me give you five ways to a better life, right? But the message that I'm going to bring to you today 
and the habit that God wants you and I to create that will really bring the most change in our life isn't fluffy, isn't kitschy. It's powerful. It's from his presence. And it's the truth of God's word. And it really is the root of everything that can be good in our life to get us on the right track of our best life. And so I'm going to give you the first point, the first habit that you and I need to create. And that is the habit of, write this down if you're taking notes, it's the habit of repentance. The habit of repentance. This is a message that not many churches or pastors are willing to preach very much. And I understand, because it's not so much fun to hear. But I hope today that you don't see this as a bad word. My hope today is that you see this word as I see it, as one that is full of hope, full of life, and full of refreshing. In my opinion, outside of the name Jesus Christ, in my opinion, in the Bible, there is no better word that can bring health, wholeness, life, refreshing in your life than this word repent. It's a beautiful word. It's a powerful word. But most of us don't understand what it means. So here it is. I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf guy. You know what that means? I want to make it simple for you. Okay? Repent. What does it mean? It means I was headed one direction. I'm walking this way. I'm about to walk off a cliff. There's death, destruction right here on the other side of this platform. I'm just going to fall off into it. But I'm going to repent because I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. I want to experience life. I want to experience hope. I want to experience joy. So what I do, I turned, and now what am I doing? I'm going a different direction. I've course correct. I've changed. Now I'm heading toward life. I'm heading toward light. I'm heading toward hope. I'm heading toward Jesus. I'm heading toward my relationship with God and experience the fullness and fulfillment and life that I can experience this side of heaven before that side of heaven. God wants me to experience heaven on earth, and it's not this direction. I have to turn and change and go this direction. What does repent mean? Course correct. Change direction, and it is a life-giving, life-filled, most inspiring, encouraging word in all of Scripture outside of the name of Jesus. So I understand that many of you, not many, some of you probably, even online, you're probably thinking, well, I don't need to repent, man. Come on. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Life is good. Fame is good. Finance is good. I'm good. I don't need to do this. Well, I cannot not preach to you the truth of God's word. So don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. Okay, but God's word teaches us, here's the truth, 1 John 1, 8 through 9. Guys, if we claim to be without sin, if I don't think I need to repent, if I don't think that even me as the pastor need to course correct from time to time, then we deceive ourselves. We're lost in la-la land, in some fictional fairy tale of thinking that we, we're good and we're not. We are not by nature good. We are born into sin. Sin has to be paid for. It has to have this repentance process to be done with. If we don't think we need to get rid of sin in our lives and repent, we deceive ourselves and the truth of Jesus Christ is not in us. The truth of Jesus is not in us if we think that we don't have any issues to repent from. All of us, including me on this platform today, stand before you, all of us, need to repent. All of us need to come to a place where we say, God, search my heart. And if there's anything that stands in my life that stands before you, God, I give it to you. Please remove that. I don't want it in my life anymore. All of us need to do this. If we're ever going to live our best life ever, if we're ever going to experience God's best on this side of this uh, heaven and this broken planet, my friends, the root, the beginning is repentance. It's repentance. The rest of the verse says, guys, here's the truth. If we confess our sins, if we repent, I love this truth. God says he is faithful. He's faithful. 
and just to do what? To forgive you of your sins and purify us from all. Everybody say all. Some of you in this room are online are thinking, well, I, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things I've done, the hurt that I've brought, the pain, the guilt, the shame, and, and the condemnation that's in my life. It doesn't matter. God says he will forgive all. He will purify you from all unrighteousness. So my hope is you're asking the question, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, as for me and my house, and I hope for your house, Acts 3, 19, repent then, turn away from death, turn away from destruction, turn to who? Turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out and that here's the key that I want for every single one of you beginning today so that times of refreshing may come. From what you do? No. From what's been done? Through who? From Jesus Christ, our Lord. From the Lord. Can we just get honest and very truthful for a moment? Many of us in this room, we're struggling, man. We're depleted. We're worn out. We're exhausted. And we're even thinking, how in the world are we going to try to make it through 22? 2021 was bad enough. 2020 was bad enough. And here I'm just feeling like the freight train and the snowball just keeps rolling and I'm done. I'm depleted, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I love God, but I'm done. I want to check out on life, I want to check out on my family, I want to check out on my friends, I want to check out on my work. Like, I don't even, I barely even have the energy to wake up and turn on live.olc.church today. Let's be honest, let's get real. Let's pull back the mask for a second. Happy New Year, yeah, but I ain't feeling it in here, in my soul, if I'm being honest. We're drained, we're worn out, and here's the truth. Guys, it's not because of what's happening to us or around us or our circumstances. The truth is the reason we're worn out, drained, exhausted, want to check out on life is because of what's happening in us. It's what's happening in here. Look at what David said. Psalm 32, verse 3 and 4. Such a beautiful insight into what sin will do in your life. When I refused to repent, when I didn't think it was for me, when I refused to confess my sin... What happened? The byproduct. My body wasted away. I was tired. I was worn out. I was exhausted. I was depleted. I wanted to check out on life. And I groaned and I was tired and I was the most negative person. Nobody wanted to be around me and I didn't want to be around them. I groaned all day long. My strength couldn't even figure out where I could get the strength to wake up to go to church. Can't even figure out how I'm going to wake up to go to work tomorrow. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Why? Because sin has this unique ability, everybody, to suck the life out of you. Sin has this unique ability just to cloud your soul in darkness to a point where you want to give up on it all. Why? Because sin separates us from the lifeline that is God's presence, God's love, God's joy, God's grace. Sin is what separates us from the presence of a living God who wants to be active, engaged, and be filling your life with love, joy, peace, grace. He wants to give you all these things. He wants you to experience his fullness. He wants you to experience his fulfillment. But you're not going to feel it. You're not going to experience it. You're not going to hear his voice when you're in sin. Why? Because sin separates you from a holy God. My friends, God is holy. The pure definition of holy means that it is pure, 100% unadulterated. And if something is pure, holy, and unadulterated, guess what it can't mix with? Things that aren't holy, things that are adulterated, things that are broken. That is what sin is. God is holy, sin is not. So what did God do? Did he leave us by the wayside and go, well, good luck? 
Hope you can get your act together enough in this life to try to do enough good to please me, to tip the scales so that, you know, I'm happy with you. Maybe I'll just let you into heaven. Did God make you pay for your sin? Did he put you on a cross? Did he, did, did, did he sacrifice you and ask you to, to give your life, your blood, to pay for your sin, your guilt? No, 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 he didn't do that. You know, what did God do? He made a plan. He made a plan to do what? To rescue you, to redeem you, to restore you, to bring you out of this separation. God never intended to be separated from his kids. God never intended to be separated from you. He wanted to be with you, but he can't be with you because he's holy and you have sin and I have sin in my life. So he's got to make a plan. His plan, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's the plan. What does Jesus do? Jesus bridges the gap of the sin barrier in our life. Sin separates us. Jesus brings us into the holy of holies, into a holy place, despite our imperfections. Why? Because his blood covers, his blood cleanses, his blood forgives. And when God sees us and allows us into his presence is because of the blood of Jesus in our lives. And it is what allows us to have a relationship with God, to live our best life in 2020 and beyond. It is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus dealt with the sin problem. And if we're ever going to live this life and experience what God wants out of us, we've got to deal with it. We've got to just take the steps to create the habits. And what are they? We've got to repent. What's our response What's our response? What does repentance look like? I don't think you could go any better than looking at David's life. He was a man that God even said, this man, he's a man after my own heart. Like, I love this guy. And he, he royally screwed up. Like, this guy committed adultery. He murdered. He did some dumb stuff. And God said, he's a man after my own heart. Well, what in the world would make a man after God's own heart who did some stupid stuff See, David learned how to repent. David learned how to turn. When he messed up, he learned how to turn. He learned how to course correct. He learned how to repent. And we see just a glimpse of one of his worst moments turning into one of his most glorious moments. He was found out in his sin. He repented. And look at what he said, Psalm 51, 1 through 4, 10 and 12. Have mercy on me. Now, time out. Many of us, when we read, when we read Scripture, this is how we read it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. That is not what's going on here. Can I tell you what's happening right here? Can I tell you, can I give you the intensity, the passion that David's feeling? You know what he's saying? Have mercy on me, oh God. God, give me what I don't deserve. Because of your unfailing love and your great compassion, God, have mercy on my soul. I'm tired of being tired. I'm sorry. Forgive me. This is the passion. This, this is the tone. This is what he's saying. He's saying, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for my rebellion, God, against you. And then look at what he says. Wash away. God, wash away. Wash away my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know, and let's be honest, we all know. We all know. We ain't hiding nothing. We ain't fooling nobody but ourselves. For I know that my sin, it's always before me. And look at what he says. And it's against you. 
and you only. In other words, my sin, it's not against anybody else. It's only against the holy God, our creator in heaven, our father. Against you only have I sinned. And I've done what is evil in your sight. What's he saying? He said, I've come to realize, God, that because I've allowed the world's way and its culture to infiltrate my life, it's infected my soul. And it's affecting not only my relationship with you, but my relationship in this life with my spouse, with my kids, with my coworkers, with my boss. Like it's, it's infiltrating every part of me. It's this darkness, this blackness, this junk, this guilt. And it's just, it's making me be somebody I don't want to be. It's affecting every part of us. So what do we do? The rest of the verse is so beautiful. David got honest and he said, create in me. Create in me a pure heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, will you restore to me the joy of your salvation? Notice he didn't say the misery of your salvation. Notice he didn't say the pain of your salvation. No, no, restore to me the joy, salvation, walking in a relationship with God. When sin is out of your life, it's joy, it's not a burden. Restore to me the joy of what walking with you looks like. And grant me, and here's the important part for where we're going. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Guys, my hope is that somehow by the spirit of God today, that your eyes of your heart would be open to see that the greatest habit in your life that will sustain your life, sustain your spirit, sustain your joy, sustain your relationships, your marriage, The greatest habit is the habit of repentance. It's the habit of, God, you know what? I'm making this stupid decision right now, but nope, I'm going this way. I'm turning. I'm changing. I'm course correcting. So my hope is today we just get on and say, God, forgive me. I'm not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling you. I'm miserable. And I'm ready to deal with this. And I'm ready to give it to you. Forgive me. (laughs) Cleanse me. Have mercy. I know I don't deserve it. But I'm asking you, out of your great love and your unfailing love and your unfailing and faithful compassion, God, to forgive me, to cleanse me, to renew me, to create in me something I can't do on my own that I've tried so hard. God, grant me a willing spirit. God, to make the right decisions, to put the right habits in place in my life and to live a disciplined life of just getting right with you and being repentant so that I can sustain this life on this side of heaven, to be the most effective, greatest difference maker I can for my family, my friends, in this world and community. Why is this important? It's important for so many reasons, because the promise of God is this. This is the good part. Psalm 32, 5. 1 through 5. Oh, what joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Oh, what joy for who? For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, it says, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. My friends, oh, the joy that awaits you and I in 2022 when our sins, past, present, and future tense are forgiven and under the blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, oh, the joys that await us when we create the habit of repentance at the beginning of the year, getting our hearts right with God. Oh, the joys. 
Why? Why can we experience joy when our sins are forgiven? Because it's then when our sins are forgiven that the weight of the world is lifted off of our shoulders. And it's then, going back to Isaiah, that we can truly forget our former ways. And we don't have to dwell on the past. Why? Because we know that our sins are obliterated in the sight of God. And when see God sees us, he doesn't see our sin. And we can walk into his presence. And now we can't perceive what God is doing. Now we can see that God is making a way in the wasteland, that he's providing streams in a desert place. Now we can see the new things that God wants to do in our life. Now we can walk in the hope and the future and the plan and the purpose of God. Why? Because our sins are forgiven. We've been set free. Our guilt is gone. Our conscience is clear. And we've been redeemed in the presence of a holy God, of a holy God. Then, then we can live the God-honoring, God-pleasing life that we try to do on the outside. Why? Because now we're changed on the inside. We can have the family. We can have the marriage. We can have the relationships. Why? Because our guilt is gone. Our conscience is clear. We're able to walk in the presence of God and be the light and life and joy and love and grace and truth to this broken, hurting world that we've all experienced. This is my hope for you, is that 2022 can be the best year of your life spiritually, but it begins with repentance. This is a habit found in God's word. This is a habit, a a, a, a foundational habit in the life of any person who considers himself a Christian. In order to walk this thing out, we have got to get back to the place where we hit the reset and get sin out of our lives and repent. And then it's followed by number two, which is really what this series is all about. And we'll kick in more of this. Number two, may take a note, write this down. And now we can begin to live a God first life. Now we can begin to live a God first life. Romans 12, 2, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this Fix your attention on God. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, I want you to create a habit of daily living a God-first life. This is what he's saying. Why? Why is that important? Well, look at the rest of the verse. Because you'll be changed from the inside out. Notice what it doesn't say. Oh, if you'll fix your attention on God, well, then you're going to be changed from the outside in. No, it doesn't say that, does it? And see, but the, the truth is many of us approach our lives this way, don't we? We focus on the do instead of the who. In other words, what I'm trying to say is we think that if we change the outside, we change the circumstances and we modify our behavior, we think by changing our behavior and on the outside that somehow, some way we're going to be changed on the inside and our who will change. And that's not how it works. It never works. Behavior modification without heart transformation will always fail. And I don't even have to tell you that. Why? Because we've all tried it, including myself. And God comes along and says, hey, 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 I got a better way. My way is not behavior modification. I, it's not about what you do. What, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. It's already been done. My job is to transform your heart by the power of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, who, for every believer, Scripture teaches us that the same Spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead lives in anyone who professes faith in Christ. And because that same Spirit lives in you in the kingdom of God, it's not about what you do. It's about who you're becoming from the inside out. So here's my question to you today is who do you want to become? Think about that. Don't think about what you want to do. Think about who you want to become. Sir, do you want to become a godly man? Sir, do you want to live in integrity? Sir, do you want to love your family 
in truth and grace, sir? Do you want to be able to make wise decisions that will benefit your family, their health, and your finances? Do you want to be able to live a self-controlled life? Ladies, do you want to become a woman of God? Do you want to experience the fruit of the Spirit in your life of love, grace, truth, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness? Do you want to change the world with the gifts that God has given you to make a difference in your family, your community, and the world? Man, my hope is that you're saying, yeah, absolutely, Pastor. This is exactly what I want. This is who I want to become. But you're asking, I I want to do this, but what do I do? You fix your attention on God. You reprioritize, you put God first. Why? Because then you'll be changed from the inside out. When you fix your attention on God and you get your eyes off of yourself and your narcissistic social media, Facebook, TikTok, whatever social media mess is out there, when you take your eyes off of yourself and you put them on God, a miracle happens. You get changed and transformed from the inside out. And as you're being transformed by his power, his spirit, Look at this. Readily recognize. Make the decision. Make the choice. And readily. Notice it's just not sometimes. Like all the time. Readily recognize what God wants from you. And then just respond to it. Quickly. Don't wait till tomorrow. No, no, no. Don't put off tomorrow what needs to happen today when God speaks to you today. Create the habit of listening to God's voice through his word and then respond to it. God's way is so much better than the world. Unlike, look at this, the rest of the verse, unlike the culture around you and all their toxic habits, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Let's get real. Let's get honest. Ain't nothing good coming from our toxic culture in this world. You can try it if you like. I've tried it. Nothing good comes from it. You're always going to be left wanting more. It hurts. It's painful. It leaves in guilt, shame. It may be pleasurable for a moment, for a little season, but I'll tell you what, the, uh, what you're going to reap on the other side is death spiritually. And a lot of us think, well, you know, I'm going 2022, make these resolutions. No, no, God's saying, no, I'm not worried about what you're doing. I'm worried about what's going on on the inside. I want to transform you from the inside out. And the culture does not understand this. The culture will always drag you down to this level of immaturity. We shouldn't be surprised of the pain and trouble we're in when we begin to look at how we're living our life and the choices we're making. Do they align with God's word or do they align with culture? We shouldn't be surprised. But God himself, my friends, good news, brings out the best. Everybody say best. God brings out the best. Not this world, not this culture. No, no. God brings out the best of who? Of you. And what does he do on the inside of you? That is my hope and desire for you today. He develops well-formed maturity in you. The word develop already assumes that it's going to take time. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It develops. He wants to develop in you, not just some miracle today that's going to be some high mountaintop experience that will keep you going for years to come. No, he wants to do this daily in your life. The greatest joy is that 2022 will be the best year of your life when you begin to have God's spirit in you, developing you this maturity. And so I want to clarify something when it comes to living a God first life, because this is so important. Many of us think that we can just put God on the list. 
And we do that. 2022, hey, I want to go to church a little bit more, you know, maybe a little bit more generous. I might even serve once. Hey, I might even go to vision, uh, step one of discover. I might, you know, whatever it might be. Like, these are the things. Like, and so we put God on the list, but I just want you to understand something. This is a strong statement, but it is the truth of God's word. It's not about putting God on the list. It's about putting God on the top of your list. Because if God is not on the top of your list, my friends, he's not on your list. God will not take any other place than first place in your life. I'll show it to you. Exodus 20, 1 through 3. First of the first of the Ten Commandments. Look at the first commandment. It's all about God being first. God spoke all these words. Number one commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What's he saying? I delivered you. I rescued you. I showed you how much I love you first. And all I expect in return, the only thing I'm asking is that you just shall not have any other little G gods, any other loves or passions before me. Now hear me out. God doesn't mind you loving things. God doesn't mind you having passions for things. He loves that, but he doesn't want you loving something more than you love him. Think about it this way. If you're a parent in the room, you get this. We just came through Christmas. I have a 13-year-old son sitting on the front row. Loves God. Incredible kid. Love him. He's not a kid. He's going into a teenager. Blows my mind. Dear God, pray for me. I love you, bud. We just had Christmas, and I gave him a gift. And I want him to enjoy that gift, man. I want him to love that gift. I want him to have a passion about that gift. But you know what I don't want him to do? I don't want him to love that gift and have a passion of that gift more than he has a passion or a love for his father. Now, we get that as parents, but somehow we, we think that God's trying to be selfish if he's living that way. No, no, no. Like, we get it. Guys, God's the same way. In fact, I just need you to understand that the truth, the truth is God has the right to do this. Why? Because he first gave his best to us through his son, Jesus. God will always model what he expects, everybody. In other words, God's not going to ask you to do something that he's not willing to do himself first. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he took from my life and made my life a painstaking misery. Nope, that's not what it says. No, God so loved, what did he do? He gave. He put an action plan in place to rescue you and redeem you from your sin. He gave who? His best, his one, his only son to have. Why? So that we can have a relationship with God. And so that whoever believes, not do, but whoever believes, not act. No, whoever believes, not, not, not try to put on some faux, uh, faux, you know, kind of finish on the outside of perfection. No, no, no. For those who just believe in their spirit that Jesus is the Christ, shall not perish, which will have eternal life. What is God saying through this verse, everybody? Is he love us? Yeah, but you know what he's saying? He said, I'm trying to show you the priority you have in my life. That's what God's saying. I'm willing to give you my only son to die her horrific death to pay for your sin. To pay for your sin. I'm willing to give my best to pay for your past, present sins so that you can have a relationship with I love you so much. I'm willing to pay the price that it takes to allow you and your broken humanity to stand in my holiness. And because God gave his best to me, my family, my hope, my hope is that your response is that you'll just simply give him your best. That you'll give him your life, your time, your day, your week, your month, your year, just everything. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, red letters, if you just seek first his kingdom, Live a God-first life. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things. What things? <laughs> Food, clothing, shelter. The things you're stressing out about. 
all these things. I'm going to provide for you. They'll be given to you. And this is why I'm just simply trying to encourage you today to create the habit of a God-first life. It begins with repentance. It begins from saying, you know what? I'm headed toward this way. You know what? I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to turn. I'm going toward life. I'm going toward love. I'm going to put a God-first in my He's not just on my list, but he is on the top of my list. I'm creating a habit of a God-first life. Is this truth helping anybody today? If it is, can I hear an amen? I love you, church. I hope you know that. So here's the big question that I hope you're asking is that, Pastor Ed, what does it look like to live a God-first life? Like, what does it look like? That's a great question. And you know me, if you've been around here for a while, I love to give you like practical steps and just very simple things that can make this doable for you. And we're going to get into those things next week. Okay. And those are all important. But today, what I really wanted to do, I just really thought there was nothing more important than starting with just what's most important. That's realigning our life by repenting and turning to God, putting God first, And then here's just a simple, do practical thing. You ready? We have to daily surrender our life to Jesus. Notice the word daily. Circle daily. Highlight daily. Put it in bold. Circle, circle, underline, underline, underline. Exclamation. Daily, daily, daily. Surrender your life to Jesus. Why? Because this is Christianity, everybody. This is salvation. It is not just a one and done moment with God on a Sunday morning at church. It is a daily surrender. It is a daily sacrifice of your life, of your want, of your desires, of these fleshly wants. It is a daily surrender in death to you to give your life to him. And it's every day. Man, I wish it was one and done. Wouldn't that be great, right? No, it's every day, every day, every day. Luke 9, 23 through 25, Jesus said this. He said to the crowd, guys, if any of you want to be my followers. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying, guys, if any of you want to experience God's best in your life, if any of you want to experience his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his goodness, his kind, if you want to experience the self-control that he offers, if you want to experience everything that you desire to experience fulfillment and hope, if you want to experience your best life by being a follower, here's the cost. You must make a choice. You must create a daily habit to give up your own way and take up your cross. Cross meaning death. It's up to you to live a daily crucified life. Not once, not, not twice, not three times, not five times. No, but y'all, this, this is Jesus. This is not Pastor Rhett. This is the red letters of the Bible. Do you want to know how to have the best year of your life? It begins with giving up your own way, taking up your cross daily. If you want your life to be great, it begins with a habit. Repent. Live a God-first life. How? Surrender your life to Jesus. Well, Pastor Rhett, you know, I'm, I love you and I'm for you and I've been coming to this church for a while. I've even tuned in maybe for the first time, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, but like, I'm not really sure I want to do that. That's okay. We love you, man. We're glad that you're here. But I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you the truth of God's word. You can make that decision if you want. My hope is that you don't, but you have that right. God will never force his love on you, but you need to understand one thing. If you decide to make that choice, look at the rest of the verse. Jesus, if you're going to try to hang on to your own life, your own way, this culture, this world, and its brokenness, You may not feel like it now, but it's going to happen. It's going to catch up to you, and you will lose it. That's the bad news. 
But the good news is, if you decide, you know what, I am going to repent. I'm going to turn. I'm going to live a God-first life. In fact, I'm going to surrender my life to you, Jesus, today. And not just today, but make the choice every day to give you my life because you gave me yours. Well, then, if you give up your life for my sake, what does Jesus say? You'll save it. You'll save it. You'll experience the life of fulfillment and hope that is Christ. Will your life be perfect? No. Welcome to humanity. But will your soul be refreshed? Will your soul of truly who you are be redeemed, restored, reconciled to God to where you feel the weight of the world lifted off? Yeah. And will it not only impact you on this side of heaven? Yes, but you'll be able to spend eternal life in heaven with God. That's the good news, everybody. This is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So my greatest hope for you, family, in 2022 is not for what you really get out of 22, but it's, it's simply for your salvation. This is my hope as a friend, is that you experience salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. My hope is that the condition of your soul in the darkness that's within it would be set free from sin. And it only comes through one person whose name is above every name, and that name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Last verse, Acts 4.12. Salvation, hope, restoration, reconciliation, joy, love, peace, kindness, goodness, fulfillment, hope, salvation is found in no one else. You can search for it around this whole planet of the globe trying to fix yourself on other things and other gods, but salvation and fulfillment and hope will be found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you and I must be saved. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? I want to pray. God, I thank you so much for your power and your presence in this room. I thank you that you have reminded all of us through your word today of how important it is to do a reset. God, to, to come to you, to repent, to be honest. And God, just to allow you the opportunity to show us things in our lives that need to be removed, to bring us into the relationship, into your presence, to where we can experience our best life. And God, our hope is that, Lord, we would just begin to now begin to recognize that it's time for us to live a God-first life. And this is not just something we do today, but it is a daily surrender to your son, Jesus. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, if you're in this moment, I'd love to give you the opportunity to just to do what I've just preached, to repent, to turn to God, and to surrender your life to Jesus. And what I would love to do is I'd love to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front. In fact, if you've been here for a while, most services I end by just encouraging you to raise your hand. I'm not even going to do that today. But I do want to give you an opportunity because I know many of you in this room, including myself, there's some things we need to repent of, we need to turn from that are keeping us from becoming the best version of ourselves. And I want to give you that opportunity right now in this moment. So for the next 10, 10 seconds, I just want to let you take a moment to reflect. I want you to ask God, God, show me. And then God, I give it to you. Create in me up your heart. Just in your own. Would you do that right now in this moment? God, many of us in this room right now recognize your voice is speaking to us in pinpointing areas of our life that 
really would be better if we would get rid of some things and repent and turn. So we do that right now. We give it to you. Forgive us. We repent. We turn. We turn. Have, have mercy on us by your unfailing love and faithful compassion. We love you. We just want to be close to you. We want the sin gap removed. Some of you in this room, you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never professed faith in Christ. Maybe you've thought you're a Christian just because you do good things and come to church, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is surrender to Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. You'll experience this miracle. You'll be transformed from the inside out. And I want to give you that opportunity today. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I would encourage you right now, if that's you, just to say this simple prayer. Now, we're a family, so as One Life Church, we're going to pray together as a family. Don't want to isolate anyone. So let's all pray this together. Say, God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died and he rose again to pay for my sin to allow me to have a relationship with you, to experience freedom, fulfillment, the love, and the grace that is yours. Today, I ask you to forgive me. Come live on the inside of me. Change me. I give my life to you because you gave your life to me. I give you my best. I do this today, and God, Help me to do this every day. Give me the strength. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, throw your hands together and let's celebrate with those who made that decision today. Man, that is the greatest decision of your life. Congratulations. I simply want to say welcome home, man. Welcome to the family. Your sins have been forgiven. Your conscience is clear. God doesn't see your sin. Everybody, isn't that good news? You are forgiven. You're set free, my friends, by the power of Christ. And that is the coolest thing ever.